you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life, we understand how it is. Aguiloa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Pat's interference. I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. I've got what I feel could be the number one playmaker in college football. Baker Mayfield. Dude's a stud. I'm 5'7", 130. Do you think I'm big enough to be either David Robinson or Tim Duncan? Get ready. It's going to be a good year. What is up, weirdos? Let's talk a little bit more college football today because we are in the middle of fall camp. It's that time of year where you're feeling like football is coming around the corner. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I'm Patrick Brickman, Patrick Norwood, all the way in North Carolina. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. A lot of energy tonight. I like this. I've been really excited about this episode because I think the West, uh, we're talking SEC West today, obviously, if you didn't listen last week, but... Uh, I think this is a kind of wide-open division in a really weird way. So I'm excited to talk about it tonight. Uh, but everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are on social media, if you haven't heard. At PI underscore podcast is the best place to follow us on Twitter. No Instagram. Uh, no plans of Instagram either. I, I, I don't know why podcasts do Instagram. Yeah, yeah that is a good make question. Sense. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um. I don't know. I mean, we're we're an audio based. We're not very visual based. No. So why would we make an Instagram? You and I both have bad cases of the radio face. We <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. I'm currently wearing makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat- I'm- Patrick works in TV. If you're new, uh, and like he said, he's Patrick Raymond. I'm Patrick Norwood. This is a college football podcast that we do weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, uh, bi-weekly during the season. Uh, this is the SEC West preview. If you're looking for the SEC East preview, that was the last episode. And if you're looking for the Alabama pre-fall camp episode for some reason, you can go back to the first episode of year four, hashtag senior year. So that's like us. I was saying, that's uh, we're at PI underscore podcast on Twitter. Pat's Interference on Facebook. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Uh, and then you can go to our website at patsinterference.com uh, and find us there as well. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you'd like us to talk about too, you can reach out on any of those platforms and we'll get it in the episode. Uh, I've actually had a couple of requests, Brick, uh, to discuss some things that we probably normally wouldn't. Oh. Uh, and when the time comes, I'll, I'll let you know about those. Okay, but. yeah, I have no idea what this could be. I'm a little excited by that. I'm tingling. Uh, all right, yeah. so before we get into the SEC West preview, um, which, of course, is infinitely more interesting than the SEC East, in my opinion, we are right. going to get down to business and talk a little Alabama because that is what we do. That's where we went to college, and that's what this podcast is essentially on. All right, Alabama kind of had a huge headline um, over the weekend. Uh, of course, they had media day, and of course, all the a bunch of players were available. One of which, our two-year returning starter Jalen Hurts, uh, that is in the middle of a quarterback battle with Tua Tagovailoa. If you don't know that, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Jalen Hurts gets the mic. Um, do you have the quote on you? Because they were asking him about the whole situation, if you will. And he just kind of goes off a little bit saying the coaching staff never approached him in the last eight months. No teammate, no coach. Uh, he vented a little. And everybody had an opinion on what he said. Can you pull up the quote while I'm, while I'm uh, kind of introing this topic? Yes, so here's the quote. No one came out to me the whole spring, coaches included. No one asked how I felt. No one asked me what was on my mind. 
Uh, a little bit later, he goes on to say, now when we're trying to handle the situation for now, for me, it's too late. It's kind of, all right, he says it's kind of late. It's too late. The narrative has already been created. Um, and when I, I was actually, I, I went on vacation this weekend and I was golfing when I read the quote and I texted you immediately and I said, what is Jalen doing? And I think you had just saw it too. And then right when you were responding, I started watching the video. Um, and we kind of, it was interesting because I think we kind of had two different reactions at first before you watched the video. Yeah. Where when you just read the quote, you were like, okay, well, it's not great, obviously, but it, I mean, that doesn't sound that bad. And then you watched it, and I think you were kind of in the same boat with me where it just, I don't know. You, I think you said it best when you said it's just kind of out of character for him. The body language was off. That was the shock factor for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, his body language, he looked, he looked like he was worn out and 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 I understand it. I I guess I'll give my take sitting here almost a week later. It's been 5 days since that happened. I've been able to kind of ingest what he said and and what Nick Saban said since, but um you know, I I do I I think this is how I feel. As a man, as just a person, as a competitor, as a as a as just as a dude, I do understand his frustrations. I do because Again, he kind of got shown up on national television in the in the biggest game of his life. Um, sure. Nobody, if nobody said anything to him, I would also be frustrated. Uh, and and at the meantime, Tua on media day is getting questions like, "How's your hand doing? How's your life changed in the last eight months? You legend." And, and Jalen's are like, "Hey, buddy, how about those transfer rumors?" So he's talking about the narrative like he I never said I was transferring, but I have a problem with that because his dad was the one that came on and is the one that called him the biggest free agent in college football history if he doesn't get the starting job. No, Jalen didn't say that, but his dad did. It's, I don't know. It's And then everything that happened with his mom the next day that, honestly, I don't want to give any more press to than she's already gotten. But basically, I think, I don't know if you said it. Somebody said that she was being like LeVar Ball. Just, I, I'm so sick of parents get involved with their son's and daughter's collegiate careers. It's it's just so weird to me. It's so weird and out there. One of the beauties of college athletics is the sort of, I don't want to say amateurism, but I mean, they're not pro athletes, right? No, they're in but the we're getting to see maturing. these people mature and grow. And it just feels like they're constantly being beaten down if their parents are getting involved. And I think that's kind of what happened here, like you said, with Jalen's dad. And I think some people just got in his ear and, you know, regardless of whether or not what they were saying is true, which in this instance I don't think it is, it's messed up to get in somebody's ear and just say, hey, you know, that was really messed up what they did to you. Because you don't know if that person's thinking that before that time. You have no mm-hmm. idea. So I said as a person, and again, I, as a person, as a, as just uh, from a very basic standpoint, I do understand. And, and I feel bad if, if he really has not been approached by anybody and he's getting this – a different treatment than his competitor – or his competition. But as a player, honestly, as a player, behind closed doors, I don't think he did himself any favors in the eyes of teammates, in the eyes of coaches, in the eyes of the fan base, in the eyes of everybody involved. It just, it, it wasn't a good look. And again, I, can, I think I can do both. I think I can understand where he's coming from and then go, yeah, but you're a quarterback at the best program in the country. That kind of comes with the territory. If somebody comes along and does your job better, and we literally win a national championship because of it, this is the falling out. This is what happens. So 
yeah, I mean, I get, I feel bad as a, as a guy. Oh, my feelings. I feel bad. But as a fan of the team that I want to win every single game that they play on the field, I don't feel bad at all. Well, you touched on it a little. Imagine being a teammate of that. I mean, Alabama's constantly been a team centered around the idea that there is no me, right? That, that it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go back and you can look. And I think the closest thing you may have to that is 2015 with Derrick Henry. But I think that was more play calling than anything else. And also that defense was ridiculously good. Um, and any time, look at Blake Barnett, Copper Batman, uh, all those guys that left – it was always about me, me, me. And with Jalen, it's never really been like that. And that's why, you know, going back to what we said originally, it just seems out of character. And if I'm, I'm a teammate of him, I'm, I'm upset. I'm disappointed. Because then why would you come out? If you feel that way now, why would you come out right after the national championship and say, oh, it's fine. We, we, you know, we got the ring. It took all of us, you know, like Coach Saban said, we wouldn't be there if all of us didn't help out. And then, you know, however many months later, seven, eight months later, you're upset. Your feelings are hurt. Well, t- tough. You know, like I get it. Yeah, I'd probably be upset too. It's a tough situation. It sucks. But you know what? Sometimes you just get beat. That's it. If, Two if would Chance, just beat if, you for the job. If Chance Warmack is not Chance Warmack, Dallas Warmack, one of the Warmacks, isn't our starting right tackle this year? Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to feel bad. But since it's quarterback and it's under the limelight, that's why we're even having to talk about this. But if if chance if if the Warmack not chance, but if the if if Dallas Warmack had said that, we'd all be ridiculing him much more, much more. And that's that's kind of where I'm coming from because he didn't do his job. He's he's plays a position. He has a job, a very important job on a very important team, and it just it happens. But Nick Saban uh, did say on his in his Wednesday press conference, everybody was worried about what he would say. He did say it's not going to affect the competition. He doesn't really have too much wrong with what Jalen said. He dodged the question a little bit, if I'm being honest. I think it was a lot of coach speak. I can't imagine Saban was too thrilled with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he's waiting for his time. You know, Saban's a smart guy. He knows if he just, you know, that happened on Saturday. He knows if he goes out there immediately Sunday morning and just blows the kid up, Jalen's gone. I mean, that's it. That's that's the bottom line of it, right? Yeah. Um. So he's. He, I mean, he's a smart guy. He's not going to do that. And I think he's going to wait for it to kind of play its course. And then when he feels like the time is appropriate, he's not ever going to call Jalen out by name. But he'll answer a question in a press conference that will be directed at Jalen that maybe you and I don't even pick up on, but Jalen will know. Yeah. Uh, I think, and also I think in two weeks. Uh, you know, as we get closer to September 1st, the closer we get to that, the, the less this is going to matter and the less we're even going to remember this. Uh, I still, you know, love Jalen as a player and what he's done. I hope he's on the team this year. And uh, I don't know. I guess we can move on. You put on the docket, oh, the recruiting news. Um, Cajo, Ale Cajo, the linebacker. Take it away. Yes. Uh, Ale Cajo originally signed his letter of intent to Washington as now, for some reason, uh, I, I don't actually know the full reason of why he's leaving Washington. Nobody does. Um, so, But it was granted his release, and now he's coming to the University of Alabama. Brick, his tape looks good. I'm very excited about it, but do you believe the hype? Is this is this something we should be that excited about? Did we really just get this great five-star just you know plummeting into our laps? Or is this you know sort of one of those situations where well, actually, he's a three-star, and he played in the right tournaments and did the Nike Pro Combat Tournament, 
and now he's a five-star. No, he's a very good player. Uh, the Alabama Nick Saban coaches staff really wanted him, and and it came down to us in Washington. Uh, and by the time he committed, we'd had a couple other guys committed that were high, and then they both went to different schools. One went to A and M, the other one went to Georgia. And the spot is now uh, the the thing. The big thing for this that's that's great news for Alabama is we haven't even started the season. We talked about this in our first episode uh, a couple weeks back. We're, we haven't even started, and our uh, depth is thinning. Our depth is thinning out a little bit. We lost Terrell Lewis for the season. Um, uh, uh, Keith Holcomb's going to go play baseball. So it's good to have him. A five-star talent, a four-star talent, especially one that is eligible to play this year, that's great. Uh, what I'm worried about is, this, the, is the circumstances how we got him. Um, nobody knows the story. There were all this is internet rumors that he's going through a big family crisis, and he's depressed and he lost weight, or he wanted to be closer to home, which obviously isn't the case because he came to Alabama. But I don't know. There is something f- fishy there, or maybe he did just truly regret being at Washington and wanted to go pick his second team. I don't know. But that's that's it. Having him as depth, that's great. Yeah. You know, it it is great, but like you said, I'm I'm a little hesitant just because it's not. Oh, he just decided he didn't want to go to Washington, and it's it's all this mystery around it. And I don't want to I don't want to use the word shady, but it, it just something just feels off. Something just feels kind of off. But I, he's a great get. His his tape is incredible. I mean, he, he's flying around the field. Um, now. That's all great and good, but I, I want to be patient with this and see if it really pans out before I get too excited. No, and he, he, you know, he he may not. He's again, he's a freshman. He may not play this year, or he might. He might come in. He might pick up the system, and who knows? He could be in in the lineup in the in the two or three deep. Uh, so we'll just kind of have to see. It'd be huge. Uh, by the way, just mentioning Terrell Lewis, Tosh Lafoy said he could be back. Uh, quote way sooner than everyone expects. End quote. So take that as you will. I don't know if that means in Tosh Lapoy's mind if that means, you know, the week before the Auburn game or if that means LSU. I think that means um, tomorrow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he'll, he'll probably be in the lineup for Louisville. No, uh, and then lastly for Alabama, since I, I know most of our listeners really wanted to hear the rest of the SEC West preview, uh, just some updates from camp, Bridges, as about you've practice, been seeing uh, throughout the week. We're talking about practice, man. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talk we about talking practice. about practice. I have just to play practice. that. Every time we talk about practice, I have to play that sound. Um, yeah, just practice? a couple tidbits. Um, you know, camp, uh, Ben Davis has been playing with the outside linebackers instead of the inside linebackers. I'm hoping he can turn it on. I want to talk about the secondary specifically because I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about Shaheem Carter, who got some playing time late last year, and Patrick Soutain who is a true freshman, number one corner in the country. We need our corners to step up. So that's nothing but good news. And I'm, I don't know, have you heard the same? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's great news. I'm hoping that it's not a situation like we talked about it a few minutes ago uh, before we jumped on the podcast where it's a Dion Blue situation where it's, oh my gosh, he's so great. You know, uh, preseason, he's running stride for stride with our best receivers and then gets end game and can't understand the defense and gets a little rattled by the crowd noise and everything like that. And obviously there's going to be a learning curve for anybody, but I am cautiously optimistic by that news for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah anything else from camp you want to mention? Um, 
really all the news, all the news that we have is from the media viewing period and hearsay. But I will say that Saturday, um, so tomorrow for you, and uh, officially me now, is the first scrimmage, which we can usually get some stuff from the first scrimmage. There's usually a couple people there that are providing information. So that will be our first kind of how are people doing with the pads on, people hitting, how's Tua doing, how's Jalen doing, who's making plays. Remember, uh, okay, so this is our fourth, fourth year doing this podcast. Remember like four years, three years ago when we thought Alec Morris was going to be our starting quarterback because of what oh, happened in one of the scrimmages? Yes. So take whatever we say next week with a grain of salt. Or if you're listening to this podcast and you're a diehard Pats Interference fan, just take it as a gospel. Yeah, I would do that instead. Yeah, yeah I would too. Uh, a couple other things that I want to mention before we get into our next topic, which is not the SEC West. Just hold on, SEC West fans. I promise we're going to get there we're and spend a lot there. of time on it. Uh, in the uh, time that we've started this podcast, I've just been scrolling through Twitter, seeing if any headlines are popping up, seeing what people, how people reacted to the uh, ESPN feature that you know they started on out that actually ran for the first time and not on Alabama. It's been well received. I have seen uh, good highlight clips from the NFL preseason from the following players: Reuben Foster ran stride for stride with Tavon Austin and batted a pass down. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick absolutely laid the wood on some wide receiver that gets shot so far into oblivion. I don't even think it matters what his name is. Uh, Tim Williams gets a sack and a fumble on third and seven. Bo Scarborough has a 35-yard run. I love it. Yeah, a lot of good stuff about Scarborough, actually, which I think is, you know, he's a seventh-round pick that preseason was, you know, being talked first, second, third round. Um, If he's healthy... He's like the perfect NFL backup running back. Yes. Um, yeah, so I like it. And I've obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick being in Miami, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, okay, you want to get to the little bit of national news we have, or do you want to go into the SEC West? Uh, yeah, just touch on it. There's not much that came out uh, from the Urban Meyer Ohio State scandal uh, since we talked last week, but he did release a statement that kind of shot him in the foot. Uh he says that he, quote, elevated it to the proper authorities, then went on to apologize. Okay. It, yeah, bad, it was weird. The bad part about that alone is fine. The bad part about this is a couple weeks ago at Media Days, he said he knew nothing about it. So if you're saying you didn't know anything about it, now you're saying, oh, I didn't know something about it and I elevated it. Well, which you're lying one way or another. So which is it? So it just kind of shot himself in the foot. Uh, Ohio State said they expected to have the investigation complete within 14 days. That was four days ago. I Honestly, I, I can't stand this guy now. And I think one of the reasons I'm so upset about this now is because I know that in my heart of hearts, I know Ohio State at most is going to give him a slap on the wrist of a two or three game suspension. This feels like it's got to be an everything or nothing like you have found nothing wrong or you found enough wrong to get. I mean, I, I agree with you. It could be two or three days, but it's like, if you suspend them two or three games, what are you suspending him for? Because if they say he did it and he knew and he didn't do anything about it, that's fireable. If he didn't, then you found nothing wrong. And in that case, the only thing he did wrong was lied to the media at media days. That's not a crime. You, he shouldn't be even punished for that. So I don't know. I think a lot of what's going on, and, and the, especially the 14 days thing, is 
Ohio State is trying to do one of two things. They're either trying to find a, a reason, an actual reason to fire him so they can fire him with cause and not have to pay him $35 million, almost $40 million. I think it's 37 mm. or 8 Um Or let this die down enough and construct a PR way to keep him. So whatever happens, I expect it to either happen today, Friday, or next Friday. I'm expecting a Friday news dump no matter what. I don't think it's going to take the full 10 days. It's either going to be today, this Friday, or the next Friday, the old Friday news dump thing. But I uh, Yeah, I mean, it, it's you never want to get called into the boss's office late on a Friday, you know? That's that's never good news. So we'll keep you guys posted on that. Uh, again, you can follow us on Twitter. That's really where we keep up with things uh, at PI underscore podcast. By the way, we did run a poll earlier in the week um, saying, you know, just kind of asking, did Jalen kind of give the quarterback battle to Tua with his comments? Twenty nine people voted and uh, about 60 percent of the people who voted said, yes, he did. Tua is your starting quarterback. So we'll see how that plays out, and we'll see how uh, the good old faithful of Pat's interference uh, do in their first prediction of the season. You and I, however, are going to move into our SEC West preview, my friend. Let's do it, baby! Uh, So we did this last week with the SEC East, where uh, we kind of just went by the rankings. I I think you and I are pretty close together on uh, on our rankings. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I would agree that we're we're fairly even— Oh, you made so, the docket today. I have perhaps nah, – no, I, I agree mostly with what you put, but you put Alabama at the top. We're not here to talk uh, about Alabama, and I don't think anybody's going to fault us for putting Alabama at the top of the SEC West preview. No, and it, it, just like we did last week, here's, here's what I'll do. I'll read, the, uh, I'll read the standings that we have, and then we'll go team by team from top to bottom and just sort of go over – expectations for the season you know uh, what are what's going to transpire how's the schedule looking who's returning all that fun stuff so right now uh we've got alabama auburn mississippi state lsu texas a&m arkansas and Ole miss uh you know it sort of gets bogged down there in the middle and towards the end where i think you could switch a couple of those teams lsu and texas a&m i could see you switching or even lsu and mississippi state if lsu has a really surprising year mississippi state really does miss dan mullen that much uh but like brick said we're not going to go over alabama too much because that's a huge part of this podcast uh but what is their argument here let's just spend 30 seconds apiece what is their argument for saying yes we are going to win the sec west go that because alabama is the class of the sec west it's and most people i mean they're going to come in as number one in the country if they're going to come in as number one in the country then you have to assume that they'll win the West. The argument against is to say that Auburn beat them last year, and they didn't win the West last year, but it's a new year. So nobody is going to disagree. Even this, even It's not homerism for us to put Alabama at the top. No. No, I don't think so either. Uh, for me, it's their schedule. Um, you know, Their toughest game, really, in my opinion, is going to be uh, LSU and Auburn, obviously. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are riding by Mississippi State. Some people are even a little scared of Texas A&M, but I, that's just not something I see right now. Um, you know, so get through Auburn, get through LSU, and you won the West, period. Because uh, even if you lose to Mississippi State or Texas A&M, uh, I don't think that those two teams with the schedules that they play will make it undefeated and the SEC West. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Both of them probably getting a couple losses. So let's just go down the list now. We'll move on to Auburn. Uh, 
a lot to discuss here. Uh, Britt, can you remind me how their SEC uh, season ended last year? <laughs> I hit it twice. Um, right. All right, so it. Auburn. Auburn, yeah. To recap Auburn last year, they started off pretty good. Um, Stidham was figuring out his feet. They didn't look great on offense for a little while, and they really stumbled against Clemson. Yeah, Clemson, Clemson absolutely smacked them. I remember that game. But not really. Like, like Auburn almost kind of eh, mm, made it close. But, Auburn gave up eight sacks that game. Yeah, it, no, it was definitely Stidham with, with – uh, with, deer and headlights look against that defense which to be honest every quarterback did last year other than well no even Jalen Hurts um (laughs) so uh then they kind of did their usual they won quietly uh they lost to LSU which should not have happened they were beating him I think 21 nothing and gave up a bunch of second half juju uh and then it looked like they were done then all right they've lost two games Auburn is just kind of they look mediocre to kind of good then they got if rolling. If I'm right, I'm pretty sure you and I put Malzahn on the hot seat at that we point. We did. No, everybody did. A lot of people put – because he, he got out coached by Orgeron that game, which is embarrassing. Yes. But then yes. they did that thing that they do, that really annoying, like, they'll win the next three games quietly, and then they'll blow someone out like Missouri still quietly, and then people are like, oh, Auburn's like 8-2 and two right now. What is – what? So then they get to their rivalry games, and they get them both at home. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this at the end of the podcast, but they get them both at home. They beat Alab- they beat Georgia, who was number one in the country undefeated, uh, pretty handily. Then they beat Alabama, which, remember, we all remember, they beat Al- uh, just- But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. It just, uh, that game, I'll never, I'll never forgive it. But then they did that. They were like, oh, if they win the SEC championship game, they're going to be in the playoff. Then they lost to Georgia horribly and then they lost to UCF to finish the season that is the wrap-up of Auburn last year uh what a fall from grace for the Tigers Stidham is back this season like you said during the headlights at the beginning of the season last season but really ramped up his play uh well until the last two games uh but he's interesting because usually when Auburn's had success uh, it's been with a, a scrambler, a non-traditional, not really pocket-passing type guy. You had Cam Newton, Nick Marshall really being those two. Auburn kind of now, yes, Stidham has the athleticism to get outside the pocket and, and run for a little bit, but it's not anything like Newton or Marshall. Right. Uh, so he's kind of that traditional pocket-passer, which I think is interesting for Auburn to have uh, with full clarity going into the season. Um, offensive line losing four starters. They were all seniors. Uh, Malzahn says he's figured out three of those spots. Um, I, I just, that's a huge part of football and especially in the SEC West is winning the battle up front, winning the battle in the trenches. And I don't care how many guys that you've recruited that are very good at playing offensive line. And if, if it is their first time playing in the SEC, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. Um, so that's that's something that makes me very hesitant with Auburn. Now, they do have Cam Martin coming back. Averaged a little over six yards a carry last year. Auburn has had nine straight uh, years with 1,000-yard rushers. Huh. Uh, the only other team to do that, by the way, is the Boise State Broncos. Oh, I was going to guess enough. Wisconsin. Uh, that's a great guess, too. Um, but uh, So that's, that's something to keep in mind. If they lost two wide receivers in the spring... 
uh, Auburn's defense is Auburn's defense. Uh, you know, you, you, they've never really been they're terrible. They're like a box of chocolates. Um, and now they're, now they're going to be pretty good. Great up front. Great front seven. Uh, could rival Clemson for one of the best in the country and Alabama, obviously. But then, you know, I keep going back and forth. So I mentioned Cam Martin. I mentioned the great defense. But then they have to go to Alabama, to Georgia. They get, I think they get Mississippi State at home. And they play Washington to open up the season. Now, that Washington team's got a lot of confidence going into the year as well. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at if they lose all four of those games, they're right back at square one where they finished last year. Yeah, no, uh, You listen, you you called Stidham interesting. I'm going to go ahead and say Stidham's good. He's quite good. Stidham no, is a, I, I yeah. think he's great. I think he's very, very good at football, yeah. for sure. Stidham has is, Stidham is lived up to the hype that, that, that Auburn thought they were getting um, at, with, with the transfer last year from uh, Baylor. Um, yeah, and they, and they lose, um, they lose the, the running back from last year. The, uh, the, uh, help me out here. Um, come on. Uh, he was uh, Cameron Artis Payne? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Cadillac Williams. Okay, I, I understand you're trolling me now. Trey Mason? Yep, okay, you know that one. The one that ran all over us. Yeah. Uh, because we had no linebackers. Auburn, again, I, I think, I don't know that I Carry expect Auburn. Thank you. Cameron Petway. Thank you. I don't expect Auburn to do what they did last year. I don't. Auburn is best when they are underappreciated and underrated. Auburn does really well, and this is the only compliment I'm ever willing to give Auburn. I've said this before on this podcast other than calling their players good. Um, Auburn is really, really good at playing the underdog. Perhaps the best in the country. I don't know what it is. I think it's that little brother mentality that they have, but they were really good at owning up to that when they've got the talent to stick with somebody. But they got yeah. their two biggest rivals on the road, and everybody knows they're good this year. Washington knows they're good. Mississippi State knows they're good. LSU knows they're good. They still are getting... They're, they're not... When they have the target on their back is when they slip up, like they did against uh, UCF. UCF wanted to beat Auburn because Auburn beat Alabama and Georgia. UCF had something to prove. UCF wanted to prove they should have been in the playoffs over the two teams that I just mentioned. That's why UCF was able to come out and punch them in the mouth. Auburn gets punched in the mouth when people want to punch them in the mouth. When Auburn's got the target on their back and they're the ones going, we want to punch them in the mouth, they do it. Auburn is requires less looking at the box scores and looking at the papers and looking at just the stats, Auburn requires less of that than any team I've ever seen in any sport. They are all feelings based in my opinion, and they just do the weirdest stuff that you don't expect. Yeah. So I've, I've got Auburn losing three games, maybe four. I've got Auburn losing probably four games. Which games? I, I got, have them losing to both Alabama and Georgia. And I think they're going to lose to one of Mississippi State, Washington, or Texas A and M. I've got I've got them losing three games as well uh, with Bama, Georgia, and I'll take Mississippi State as well. So you have them um, winning Washington. Uh, do what? You have them beating Washington to open up the year. I do. I do. I think a healthy Auburn beats a healthy Washington. You know, ask me again during bowl season. It might be a bit of a toss up, but. Um, you know, I guess we'll get to see those, those Auburn defensive backs, uh, cause that's, that's a question mark just like Alabama. 
uh, just like Auburn's big brother um, across the state. Um, you know, I, I think their front seven is is great. It's outstanding. It could be one of the best in the country. But like I said, just like Big Brother, they're going to have issues at defensive backs. Uh, and Washington could expose that because they've got, you know, Pac-12 arms and Pac-12 wide receivers. Yeah, Jake Browning's returning. Remember him? He's still there. Yeah, yeah, I do remember he him. He took a little I, bit of a slump last year uh, from a very good uh, uh, first year starting under center. He took him to the playoffs last year, a bit of a step back. I think Washington's going to be a, a team to look at this year for us. I can't wait to go over that more during our national preview. All right, Mississippi State. A uh, little bit of good news, bad news there. Lost Dan Mullen. He went to Florida. He we talked about that last week. Them, but he they so keep Nick them. Fitzgerald. Yes. Nick Fitzgerald, a huge part of that offense the past two years, torched Alabama last year. He was torched awesome. them. They get four returners on their O line. Uh, Aris Williams comes back. He's a great running back for Mississippi State. Can really open up the pass game if they can get him going early. Um, now, they did hire Joe Moorhead from Furman, who took Furman, I think, to the D2 playoffs two years in a row. Yeah, maybe? and then he was he was Penn State's offensive coordinator as well. Right, and right, exactly. And he was 38-13 and 13 at Furman is where I was getting at, his last head coaching Ooh. gig. Uh, now, obviously, Mississippi State and the SEC West is a little different than you know D2 Furman, but still an impressive track record for a head coach. Um, another impressive defense up front and the defensive front seven. Uh, are you seeing a trend yet? Auburn, Alabama, and Mississippi State. A couple question marks at defensive back, but a wonderful and impressive front seven. Uh, they have to go to Bama and go to Death Valley at night, I assume. Um, they also play Kansas State at Kansas State, which I think is going to be an interesting game. Huh, kind yeah. of an eye-opener for uh, the Bulldogs at Mississippi State. Brick, what are your thoughts on what's going to happen this year in Starkville? Well, first of all, speaking of Kansas State, that's a team that just gave a 78-year coach, year-old coach, a five-year extension. Five-year extension. I love it. Yeah. All right. To Mississippi State, though. Mullen was... take care of the elderly. (laughs) Mullen was the perfect coach for Mississippi State. He brought them from, uh, quite frankly, the doldrums. Uh, I don't ever remember Mississippi State doing anything when I was a kid. He took them to nope. number one in the country a couple of years back. We were doing this podcast that year. Um, and he made them relevant. He made them relevant, and he made them good. Joe Moorhead, yes. from what everything I'm seeing, it was an unexpected hire, but it was a knockout hire. Like when Alabama hired Avery Johnson, and everybody's like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, okay. All right, yeah. I see what you're doing there. Um, I, I think it's also interesting, too, I just want to point this out. It's going to be a great trivia question one day. Uh, when the first college football playoff projections came out on national television on ESPN, two SEC teams from the same state were number one and number four. Can you name those two teams? And was, everyone is going to yeah. say, in the far, far future, everyone will say Auburn and Alabama, and they will be wrong. It is Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Yes, and then Mississippi State and Ole Miss got to number one and two at one point. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was a that was a fun time in college football. That was, uh, that was a that fun was wild. year. That, that was, was a, wild. I was still in school when number one Dak Prescott came to Tuscaloosa. Um, and that oh, was, so we that were was doing the podcast then. Huh. That was a beatdown. Okay. Um, that was pre-podcast. Yeah. Pre-podcast. All right. So, yes. um, Mississippi State. They like you said they go to Alabama they go to LSU, uh, but but Nick Fitzgerald is one of the X factors not just for the team but in the conference in my opinion 
Um, uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Could easily carry the torch for SEC Offensive Player of the Year. But he did get hurt last year at the end of the season, and it was not a good in- – it was a bad injury. I haven't read mm-hmm. up enough about it to see how strong he's back. If he comes back healthy, uh, he's, in my opinion, coming back day one, probably the the most accomplished quarterback in the conference. I, I, I'm i biased, and I have on it crimson glasses, Ooh. so I think Tua Tungavailoa is the best quarterback in the conference. If I take them off and I pretend like I don't know much about the SEC other than surface value, I think Nick Fitzgerald, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the conference coming back this year. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I've got Stidham. I've got Stidham from Tonga Vailoa and Fitzgerald one A one B one C and one D. I just don't think we've seen enough sample size from Tua to really say he's outright number one. Uh, Stidham fell apart at the end of the season. Fitzgerald got hurt, and From fell apart in the national championship game where Tua thrived. So I, just, I don't with, really think you can put one of those guys above another, but I think it's definitely those four guys. Uh, Drew Locke, I just don't think is in that tier yet. I think he's a, I think he's a good college quarterback. He's going to sling the ball around. He'll throw a lot of interceptions, but he's going to throw a lot of really pretty touchdown passes too. Well, that's, that's what I think about Fitzgerald. I think he's a good college quarterback. If I'm playing a college football game, I love his skill set. I love what he brings to the table. Well, he's six foot five. Yeah, he's awesome, and he moves around, and he's strong, and he's competitive, and he runs people over, and he's and he's fast, and that's why. I mean, if I'm drafting a quarterback out of this year's class, I'd probably go Stidham just for the NFL. But if I'm playing a college football game, I'm going. I'm going Fitzgerald, man. I love his game, and I, I love. I mean, he he was, you know, he made us look foolish last year. He almost beat us. You're going to go Fitzgerald us. over Tua? No, I mean no, no. I'm saying without my crimson glasses out of, on. Yes. Okay. Tua is the best quarterback in the country, guys. Just, just, just so you guys know. Um, all right, so I got Mississippi State. Uh, uh, I'm going to look at them. Win, 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 win. I guess I should say the teams. They beat Stephen F. Austin, Kansas State. I think they beat uh, Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. That's going to be a tough one. That's a night game. 6.30 for that kickoff. Uh, they'll beat Kentucky. They'll beat Florida. Auburn. That is, I lean Auburn, but that is in Starkville. Um, they play LSU. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. They play LSU on the road. But if there's one team besides Alabama that has owned LSU in their own stadium, it was Mississippi State with Dan Mullen. Yes. I can think of two times off the top of my head that they went in there and shocked everybody. Remember when Fournette was killing it? Yes. I Well, maybe it wasn't that year. I don't remember. But they've beaten them a couple times. I think they'll beat A&M. I think they'll beat I Louisiana think Tech. two out of the three years that Dan Mullen went to LSU with Mississippi State, he came out with a win. Uh, yeah, probably. So I look at it. I go – I see – I'll, I'll go three or four losses. I think they three or four losses, but uh, you know they they threaten they threaten. There nobody wants to play them this year. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't see them making a, a a New Year's Six game, but nobody wants to play this team this year, man. No, no, I I agree. I agree. I I'm a little hesitant for Alabama to play them just because of when Alabama does play them. Um, we that's, struggle that's, against them so often. Uh, well, I mean, look at the game before every year. What's the game before that game every single year? Is in it Auburn or an LSU and one of those two? Alabama plays LSU before Mississippi State every single year. Yeah, I didn't mean to say and Auburn. It's I know just, Auburn's always the last game. Yes, but it's it's just always 
so much bluff. Just just so sluggish on offense. It was last year. It was like that in 2012, where an impressive big win after LSU, uh, Alabama goes to Starkville and just sort of doesn't really show up. Now, Alabama gets them at home this year, so that'll help a lot. But, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I would predict Mississippi State with three, maybe four losses if the real, wheels really fall off in that defensive backfield. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. Great offensive play, great front seven, questionable backfield. Let's go on to what I think could be the most interesting puzzle and least talked about team in the SEC West this year, the Bayou Bengals. They're the wild card. They are the wild card of the conference. Yeah, Uh, tough schedule, tough schedule. Um, You know, you've got here Joe Burrow, uh, I, I don't see him. I, I'm sorry. I just, they, until LSU proves me differently that they can produce with a good quarterback, uh, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see LSU being that much of a threat. Now, will they slip up and beat an Auburn and Alabama and Mississippi State and kind of ruin a perfect season? I could see it. I could see it happening for sure. But I just, until they've got a quarterback who can really just sling the ball across the field, it's going to be tough for them. I agree. Um, now, I will on Joe Burrow. I will say that LSU has not. They've one of the reasons they've been bad is because they haven't really had the quarterback. Danny Etling and and what what's the guy that um, who was the one that ended up at North Carolina? I don't remember his name. He, he didn't. They have not had oh, a guy. Gosh, uh, Brandon Harris. Harris. Brandon Harris. Um, Brandon Harris. Yep. He was he was really bad. It's just they haven't. Of course, they've been a running team. They had Fournette. They had Darius Geis, who they now have to uh, replace, and we don't know who's going to be their guy uh, that really jumps out at us this year. But Joe Burrow, for what I know about him, is that he was, from what I've seen, a a good quarterback at Ohio State that kind of lost based on maybe seniority to Dwayne Haskins, and he left. And a lot of Ohio State fans were mad, saying, we think Joe Burrow's better. So even to have Ohio State saying that we think this quarterback's better than the one we have starting is enough to tell me this is better than anything LSU's had. He, he, may, he may not be a superstar, but I think he's a, a definitely an improvement over Danny Etling, who actually wasn't... <laughs> funny. Uh, homework, homework for the Pats Interference listeners. Um... Go compare Danny Etling's passing numbers to Jalen Hurts. Just do it. I just, I just dare you. It's, it's eerily similar. Um, I will say this about LSU, and I'm lower on LSU than you. I promise. They do have two really, really, really good defensive players that I'm low key jealous. Devin White, the linebacker, he's an all. Devin White, Devin White's the guy that I was going to mention. And Greedy so. Williams, the corner, is is the next kind of you know how LSU always has that good corner. He's yes. he's there. He's the one they have right now. The one that was always the scariest to me was Morris Claiborne. Ooh, he was good. Uh, you can take Tyron Matthew all day if you want to. I'm I, taking I Patrick Peterson, baby. Morris Claiborne again. I'm taking Pat. This is Pat's interference. We're taking Pat's interference. We're taking Patrick Peterson. Ooh, I like fellow it. Patrick. I like it. Hashtag Team Patrick. Uh, yeah, you know, Orgeron's the big question mark, and honestly, the schedule does not look great. Uh, I think in their first four games, they go two and two. Um, they beat Southeast Louisiana. I don't think they beat Miami, and I don't think they beat Auburn on the road. Uh, 
I could see them. Their big game is going to be Florida in the swamp for me this year. If they can turn it around, beat Dan Mullen in Florida in the swamp, and then go back home and at least contend with Georgia the next week, I think the season is a win for LSU. Because uh, then they play Mississippi State. They get them at home. They get Alabama at home. Uh, and then it's Arkansas, the battle for the golden boot. It's a rivalry game. Uh, Rice, uh, last year's sweetheart, no longer this year's sweetheart. I think they're going to kill Rice. Uh, and then Texas A&M's the last game of the season. I think that's going to be a shootout. That's gonna, really yeah, do. that's going to be based on that's going to be a very momentum based game. Um, but I think at that point, the LSU Texas A and M game will not be the premier game of that day, especially not in the SEC West. This is the year it could get bad. I think this is the year that because because enough teams in the West are on the rise. Um, Alabama is what they are. Auburn's on the rise. Mississippi State is essentially what they are but i you know i think they'll stake very competitive uh, everybody but Ole miss in my opinion is on the rise or staying the same uh, texas a&m just got a superstar coach so ed orgeron you know i've said it a million times i am not an orgeron guy i don't think many lsu fans are an orgeron guy hey want to hear a hot take i'd love to Lane Kiffin wins some games with this team this year. If Lane Kiffin, if they if they had Lane Kiffin, they'd be better off than they have Orgeron. I don't think I'd want my, Lane Kiffin my brother, touching my program Rob as a head Norwood coach. Has always said the thing that terrifies him the most is a Lane Kiffin led LSU team. He he fits them. LSU is they want to be cool. I don't know, man. I don't. I, I wouldn't have hired Kiffin the year they got rid of Les Miles. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think Kiffin was ready to go take over an LSU, and I don't. I still don't think he is or ever will be. But I do not like Orgeron, and they couldn't fire him last year. LSU lost to no. Troy last year. LSU was not good. Their saving grace was was beating Auburn on a fluke game. Um, that was it. If if Orgeron fall, falls behind A and M. And Mississippi State, and and they finish, and they finish fifth in the SEC West this year. Orgeron's done, man. He's done. He's out. Orgeron's done, and guess who they're going to call? Ghostbust. Uh, Lane Kiffin. <laughs> yeah, they're absolutely going to call Lane Kiffin. Are you kidding? Uh, and they they'd be dumb not to. I think there's a bunch of teams that could do that. I think if Notre Dame uh, underachieves this year, I think they could give Lane Kiffin a call. Notre Dame's going to give Urban Meyer a call. Ooh. Brom at uh, Purdue would be one to look at, and that Matt Campbell from Iowa State. I would take those two guys over Kiffin. Purdue, so the OG sweetheart. The OG sweetheart. They're they're a good bit better than they were when they were your sweetheart, by the way. Purdue's pretty uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Boilermaker up, baby. Uh, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, LSU, I'm giving them four to five losses, probably leaning towards five because I just don't think they've got the gas to get through the end of the season. One, two. Three, four, five, six losses for me, and maybe seven. Wow, I'm going. I'm going four, maybe five. You're going six, maybe seven. Six, maybe. I mean, Florida and A and M being toss ups. All the other ones, I feel pretty good at, uh, picking against them. Yeah, yeah. I think and that I Miami love those game two is defenders. Be a, a this... really big test for both of those teams. Mm. All right. So uh, okay. So we've gotten through the meat of the SEC West. Now we move on to. 
Oh, sorry, we got one more. We got one more chicken leg here. Then we've pretty much moved past the meat. Texas A&M. I'll introduce them since you've introduced uh, everyone else because um, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, I guess that's kind of a big deal to them. They only gave him 10-year, $70 million. Uh, pretty much all guaranteed. I think it was 100% guaranteed contract. I think they kind of believe in the guy. Um, as far as their team, they've got Travion Williams, really good running back. Uh, they got uh, Kellen Mond and Nick Starkle, who were, I, I like Kellen Mond as a quarterback. He had uh, some pretty good moments against Alabama last year, and they just got a lot of guys coming back, 15 returning starters. Um, so that's of a possible 22. They're only losing seven starters. Hey, if here, you, what are your thoughts on LSU before I kind of give my hot takes on this? You mean on A&M? What did I say, LSU? On yeah. <laughs> oh, let's laugh uh, at me. Yeah, no, I think I think A and M's got, uh, like you said, fifteen returning starters is great. Um, you know, I, obviously, I have a soft spot in my heart for Tyrell Dodson, uh, a Franklin kid who actually the uh, summer camp that I worked at in high school, uh, and moving in, I guess I came home uh, after my first year at Alabama and worked at that summer camp as well. He was one of the kids that would come to that summer camp every day. Um, Great guy then from all everything that I've heard, read, seen. Uh, he continued to be a, a stand-up guy. Um, was just a freak athlete when he was that young. I mean, it was was palming and dunking a basketball like LeBron cocks back uh, when he was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, just, just great kid. Rooting for him really, really hard. But I think he is a huge piece of that defense. I think they've got a couple pieces on that defensive front seven that are good, not great. Uh, and... I'm not sure this is a dream scenario for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, listen, well, whatever Jimbo does at A&M is we're going to look back and see, you know, because the argument is was A&M a step up from Florida State program-wise. Money-wise, no question. Uh, FSU was not about to hand him 10 years, $70 million after he just went 6-6 six and six at Florida State, barely made a bowl. Uh, things fell apart last year. Um, I don't know if I've given my full Jimbo spiel on this podcast yet. Oh, boy. Jimbo, obviously, he's one of three current active coaches to have a national championship. That's big. He's already in rare air just by winning one national championship. All right, he's he's a great recruiter. He is a program builder. Uh, Jimbo is great at selling a new message to a team that needs one. That's his thing. He did that at FSU. Bobby Bowden, he had been there for, you know, forever. He'd been there for 38 years, I think, 37 years. Um, Jimbo came in, and he kind of just had to pivot because he just had to. He was a different kind of coach, and he's great. He's a good coach. Uh, Game day coach, he's fine. Um, he gets out coached a lot in close games, but he usually has the talent to overcome that because he's a great recruiter. Mm. His message had gotten stale at Florida State. It, it just did. It just, you know, you can't go six and six and keep asking and, and getting mad at boosters because they haven't given you what you want yet, which they were. They were in the middle of building an indoor facility, and he, he just he wanted more. He wanted more money. He, wanted, he kept parlaying. Other interests, remember a couple years ago, LSU was interested in Fisher, and we thought Fisher might take the LSU job. So FSU comes in and says, fine, we'll make you the third highest paid coach in college football. You did win a title for us. Appreciate it. But 
You can't go six and six and go, hey guys, AM's interested, gonna have a little more. No, he was gone. It was over. It was over then. He pissed everyone off. So I think Jimbo Fisher and Gus Malzahn are about to get in an arms race for who is going Ooh. to become the second best team in the West. Because Fisher's going to take AM higher than Sumlin could. He just will. He's he's too good at recruiting, which is something that Sumlin outside of the quarterback position, was just mediocre at. Yeah. Fisher's going to get them good. It might not be this year, but he'll get them there, and then we'll see. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I think he needs his pieces there. I, I really do. I, I don't think that Jimbo can get it done with someone's pieces. And side note, I think someone's going to succeed a lot better at Arizona. I, I really do. Um, I think that just style of play, that Pac-12 style, really fits his game more than the SEC West did. Yeah, right. and, and, and Jimbo Fisher's style is, I mean, if there's one team that people have compared to the SEC over the last probably oh, yeah. seven, eight years, it's been Florida State plays Florida State. like an SEC team. Yeah. So he, yeah. he, he fits that mold. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how Texas A&M does this year. Um, you know, their, their schedule, if you're, in the, if you're in the SEC West and you're not Alabama or Auburn, it's tough. I, that's just that's how it is um you know nobody's got a dream schedule where it's oh well it doesn't look this bad this year we get most of these people at home uh they play Clemson the second game of the season now they do get them at Kyle Field I think that's going to be an interesting game where we see what kind of team Clemson is uh so I, I, obviously I don't think they're going to win uh so I think they go uh two and one in their first three games then they travel to Alabama to Arkansas Kentucky at home travel to South Carolina which I think could be a big win for South Carolina. I really do. Uh, they travel to Mississippi State, to Auburn, uh, get Ole Miss at home, uh, play UAB, Blazer up, and then LSU at home for the last game of the season. We talked about that earlier. Uh, out of those games, I see them losing, uh, let's see, one, two, three, uh, four, five games. Five, six is what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't see them winning uh, or losing any less than that. No, th- yeah, this is not the year that, like I just said, I think A&M gets up to where they're the second. You know, because LSU has held that spot most of Saban's tenure. In the yes. West, it's been LSU, and every couple years LSU competes at the end of the season to put themselves in position to win a title or go to a title. LSU's well, what about Auburn? That. And then Auburn, yeah. And LSU and Auburn have kind of jockeyed. But what I think A&M is about to do is really just take over LSU and make LSU regret that they didn't shell out the money for Jimbo uh, and had to settle. But it's not this year because nobody has a tougher first half of their season schedule than, than I mean, playing Clemson and Alabama, who are easily going to be the number one and two teams in the country yes. in the first in September. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to start out two and two. And, you know, it's just... it. It'll be a work in progress, but I applaud A&M for them going out and getting their dude. And yes, they're serious I, about it. I look at they, it, and then I just can't help comparing it to what the way LSU handled it. Well, and look at, I mean, look at A&M as a program, what this says for the program as a whole. To me, this says we are a football school. We want to be a football school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important. I think that's something that A&M fans have wanted to see for a while, definitely since they've come to uh, the SEC West. 
and you know now they're finally getting it but i just think it's going to take a while for jimbo to get his pieces in there yeah. and uh and, and just sort of see where it goes from there uh last two teams we're going to kind of breeze through if you don't mind uh arkansas the thing i'm most excited about arkansas is uh rakeem boyd uh from last chance U season three he finally was he was so important way. so good on that team uh was at texas a&m for a while uh got kicked off the team went to independence community college in kansas now he's at arkansas and he he looked good i mean he looked really good i know he's he's playing juco but he looked strong looked like he was quick found the hole easily um you know from everything we saw uh so i'm rooting for him uh another thing to of note for arkansas no more allens at quarterback it's the first time in what seven years i think it's five but yeah five yeah i mean somewhere around there just crazy uh decent you put good receiving core i'm gonna i'm gonna say they're decent I, yeah i can give i can give with that yeah they're they're not i mean they're nothing that's gonna blow me out of the water i, I guess I what i mean is they are returning a lot of position players which is good yes. for a team like arkansas yes uh you know i just think arkansas has got a lot to figure out um and honestly chad morris you like him I like him. No, listen. Go ahead and talk about him a little bit for me. I like Chad Morris. He's an offensive guy. that He likes passing. My thing is, I like Arkansas. I just kind of I just kind of like Arkansas. I like their colors. I like their mascot. I like their stadium. It's bright and cool. And uh, they, you know, I liked when Petrino was at Arkansas. I loved the, the, the Ryan Mallett throwing it 500 yards a game. I just... I wasn't a fan of the Belama Arkansas teams. I just didn't. I just did not care about that. I didn't care about. Well, you mean I you didn't did, like old Bert? I, I love saying Bert. I love the borderline erotic soundbite. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just I don't want to see a running Arkansas. I want to see Arkansas throw a sling it around, baby. That's the team that almost beat Alabama a couple times and got up to number three in the country in twenty eleven. I, I like those Arkansas teams. I also just do happen to like Chad Morris. He was at SMU. Um, Tennessee flirted with him. Other, a couple other schools flirted with him. I like Chad Morris. Arkansas is not going to get the home run name. And Arkansas is never going to recruit the way that Alabama and Auburn and uh, now A&M and Georgia. They'll never recruit on that. They just won't. They just won't. They just won't. No. They'll get a good guy every now and then. And... They'll settle for that. So they need a guy that's, I hate to say, they need a guy that's creative like Chad Morris. Brett Bielema was never going to work at Arkansas. Because, I'm sorry, Arkansas is just not going to beat Alabama running the ball. They're just not. They're not going to out-physical Alabama. They're just not. Brett Bielema would be an amazing assistant coach at Alabama. He is not an amazing head coach at Arkansas. It's just the way it works. So if you, See, get, you remember the thing about Arkansas is you remember the Bobby Petrino and Ryan Mallett days. I remember the Houston Nut Matt Jones days. Oh, well, hey, you know what? Matt Jones was that dude. They, I know. I'm saying it's 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 two sides of the same coin. Yeah. If they want you know? to compete in the West, if they want to get up to number three in the country again, they're going to have to find the right quarterback and a dude that can teach them to sling it against uh you know good defenses. Not the right offensive line. I mean, come on. If if LSU couldn't run on Alabama with Fournette, Arkansas never had a chance. And the Allens were good quarterbacks, especially Brandon Allen. And he was just wasted on Brett Bielema. Yeah. So, I don't know. Good, that's, good that's, old Bert. 
That's that's Good my Arkansas. Old Bert. I At think, the end of the uh, day, though, I Bert I, Bielema from from now on, I think we should call him uh, College Rex Ryan. College Rex Ryan. Yeah, he's that's that's kind of an astute an astute point there. Yeah, I see five and seven for Arkansas this year. I agree. I see five and seven for Arkansas, but like you said, I think they're on the up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think uh, if they can figure out their quarterback situation. You know they've got great running back. Who is their starting quarterback this year? Have they announced? They've got a they've got a like a like a, you know a their a competition going on. Um, and I think it's Cole Kelly and yeah okay Cole Kelly and Ty Story. I don't know much about them. Obviously, Ty Story was the name that I remembered. Yeah, uh, Cole Kelly. Eh, I I, uh, I don't know anything about him. I'm not going to pretend like I have any insight on who the backup quarterbacks at Arkansas were last year. So we'll just have to see. No, it's just I remember, I remember one game Cole Kelly came into, or maybe it was their spring game, where he was extremely underwhelming. Uh, and Ty's story seemed like he was really starting to run away with it. Maybe things have changed. But like you said, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything yeah. about it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I just don't. I just don't, and I honestly don't think it matters. Five, seven, four, and eight around there. Ole Miss, whatever. Uh, they've got Matt Luke at the helm now. Uh, Shea Patterson left, transferred to Michigan. Um, after everything with Scott Frost, everything that came out from Ole Miss, I just I, I can't give them a lot of credit until I see something on the field. No, it's that Ole Miss got busted. They got busted because they were too uh, uh, flamboyant with their cheating, and they had players tattling on them. If we're being honest, and Ole Miss is gonna, you know, hurt for a while. They just will. Uh, they lost their swagger. Ole Miss had the swagger. They had the land shark thing going for them. They beat Alabama twice, and they had everything going for them. And it just, it kind of exploded. Just kind of, you know, ended. Boom. It's just overnight. Oh, okay. Bye. And that's what happens. Yep. Um, and it actually didn't happen for the reasons I thought it would. It happened for a completely different scandal, but whatever. We'll see if anything happens to Ole Miss. I don't think it will because the NCAA can't do that stuff right. And honestly, I don't care about that. So, um, oh, they've got a very exciting opener against Texas Tech at the Houston Texan Stadium. Yes. But, and I'll definitely be watching because it'll be 11 a.m. And I don't know that there will be any other crazy games on September 1st at 11 a.m. Alabama they'll lose to. They'll lose to LSU. They'll lose to Arkansas. They might lose to Louisiana Monroe, who made a bowl game last year. They'll lose to Auburn. They'll lose to South Carolina. They'll lose to A&M. They'll beat Vandy and they'll lose to Mississippi State. That's it's. We're talking 3-9, and 2-10. and 4-8 will be a good year for this team. It's just going to be tough. Yeah, four and now, eight will be a good quarterback, year for this team. I, I'm going three or nine, four or eight. Now people are talking about the quarterback though. Um, what's his name? The one, the, the reason that they're finally all right, fine, Patterson, you can leave. What the? Uh, I'm going to look it up. I have to because he's a. People are saying he could be good. I again, I'm not going to pretend to know. I know he played nice last year when Patterson got hurt, so I'm looking him up right now. Uh, start talking. Wasn't it like Jordan that. Tamu? Oh, that's it. Ta- Tamu. Te'amu? I, I don't I never knew how to pronounce it, so I just kinda kept my mouth shut, but I knew it was Te'amu. I think we'll know by the end of the year how to pronounce it, maybe. But Tonga Tonga Vilemu? Um hey, if he's good they're, they're both from Hawaii. If he is good, then maybe it is four and eight. Or five and seven. That would be amazing for them. Five and seven's a big year if you're a rebel. Uh a rebel black is, bear, please. Get it right. Just a sad sentence. Uh 
Anything else in the ICC West you want to touch on? Listen, I think I think we completely uh, we covered them with all the barbecue sauce we have. And I'm not talking the Alabama white sauce. I'm talking the good stuff. Oh, that is going to get so many listeners mad. I said that just to piss some people off. Yeah, you, you definitely get some feathers riled up. I actually uh, like I actually like know, Alabama white sauce. Just as a quick overview, again, I th- I think we're all you and I both are on the same page. I think it's a three horse race uh, between Alabama, Auburn, and te- uh, not Texas A and M, uh, Mississippi State. Um, I don't think Mississippi race. State has a realistic chance of making it to Atlanta. I think that is down to Alabama and Auburn, and I think it's going to come down to the Iron Bowl uh, again. Uh, keep in mind, this is one of my favorite stats to throw out. When people talk about the best rivalries in college football, please mention this, that since 2009, the winner of the Iron Bowl has at least made it to the playoffs. Until and last year. I think out of all of those years, so that's what, nine years? I think there have only been two instances where they didn't make it to the national championship. Well, last year, the winner did not make it to the playoff. Uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, so I guess three. Um, but still, I mean, you don't see Ohio State and Michigan doing that. In fact, the winner of last year's Iron Bowl then had to turn around and watch their two uh, most hated rivals play in the playoff. If I remember, sucks to suck. If I Auburn. remember correctly, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, oh wait, and I wait, wait! Wanted to do this podcast. I wanted to do um, a sound off today. Oh yes, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I almost missed one of your favorite segments. Go ahead. Tell me what your sound off is today. It's Auburn based. That's why I have to do it. Go for it. Great transition. I'm taking it. Uh, I'm taking it out to back out to SEC media days. This is small, and I'm going to make it much bigger than it was. But I want to because it bothered me. Uh, one of Gus Malzahn's sound bites was um, talking about having to play his rivals, uh, Alabama and Georgia. He talked about having to play them both every year, and one of it, came, I think, the question stemmed from having to play them both on the road this year. And he went into this thing, kind of saying, "It's unfair that they have to play both of those teams, being Alabama and Georgia." It's, it's so unfair that they have to play both of those teams every year because they're so good, and nobody else has to do that. Nobody else has to play Alabama and Georgia every year. And uh, he, he, said it, he, he said it was not fair. He said it was hard and, and difficult. And, and then, and, but then, of course, he reeled it back and went, but we're always up to the challenge. You know, it's not something we can control. Uh, you know, we're, we never back down from an opponent. It just needs, you know, something like that. But the fact that it was mentioned really just kind of made me mad because, yeah, they're good now, but they weren't complaining when, uh, you know, Georgia was throwing out Grayson Lambert and, and, and Auburn was beating them or not beating them because they weren't good yet. But anyway, they're just good now, right? Florida was, or sorry, LSU wasn't complaining uh, when they had to play Alabama and Florida every year in 2008, 2009, 2010. They weren't complaining then. No, but they didn't complain. Nick Saban has never complained about it being unfair that he has to face certain opponents. I mean, uh, Nick Saban not, is com- no, not just face certain opponents. There have been multiple years now where Nick Saban has to, to face out of Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn, probably Alabama's three most hated rivals, has had to play at least two of them multiple years uh, when they're coming off of a bye week. Yeah, coming off bye weeks. 
And that's something to actually complain about because that can be helped. But Auburn, for by the virtue of being Auburn and making those their rivals, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, as they love to call it, and the GD Iron Bowl, now you're going to complain. You know what? It's just it's like it's just such a defeatist attitude. I don't know. If 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 they're too hard, get better, man. They're your rivals. Your job is to make them suck. Look at what Nick Saban I'm sorry, I know I sound like a homer, but look at what Nick Saban's done. He 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 turned LSU on their head. He made AM go pay seventy million dollars guaranteed to a coach that just went six and six. Um it's just it, Florida is a shell of their former selves because Urban Meyer ran for the hills and blamed health contr- health reasons. He said he wanted to watch his kids play baseball. Well, I, I hope he's had fun doing that for one year because he's at Ohio State now. And that's just, uh, Tennessee has not even sl- sniffed anything remotely successful. It's just insane to me that a, that a, that a head coach at a tier, it, not tier one, but a, a high echelon co- team is going to complain that he has to play his two rivals because they're good now. Make them suck, because then you won't be complaining. Nick Saban does not complain about having to play Tennessee. Nick Saban does not complain about having to play Auburn. Auburn tries to rise to the standard. You rise to their standard. Ah! That was good. Thank you. That was good. I'm really pleased with this. Mine has nothing to do with football. Again, it was small. It was small. It really was just kind of something that came up, and I know I've made it more than it was, but it is just that 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 loser speak that I hear too often that gets glossed over because because Auburn is, I don't know. I don't know how to explain them, and neither do you. We can never really fully say what we think they are. They're just something else, man. All right, continue. I'm done. I'm moving off that. I had a lady answer a cell phone in a movie the other day. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, not even, like, nonchalantly, like, hey, I'm in a movie. Can I call you back? I would have even understood that. And honestly, I would have been like, hey, I like your style. Thank I will you. say this about my rude. friend Patrick Norwood. You're the guy that – and I'm, I'm also this way too. I'm going to be honest. But I'm going to say this about you for this certain story. You are the guy that if you're watching a movie with a friend – if they're yanking out their cell phone to te- – and this is in your own living room. Pissed. You don't like Pissed. it. You do not like it. I I get mad. I Jade, God bless her, she puts up with me. If we are watching a show and she starts falling asleep, I will I will wake her up. <laughs> I I don't care. I'm like, look, you can sleep in 30 minutes when this is over. But I one of my least favorite things is wait, hold on, who is that? Why is that important? And I gotta pause it. God, huh? I hate that. Oh man. Anyway, this woman answers her cell phone the other day. Proceeds to have a five-minute phone call. Multiple people are telling her, like, hey, can you keep it down? Do you mind? And finally, she stands up and kind of turns to the rest of the audience and says, well, I guess I got to go out in the hallway to take this. This is not real. This is 100% real. I just this refuse happened, to believe this that happened people like this last exist. Wednesday night, so not yesterday, but a week ago. Uh, I went to go see Three Identical uh, Strangers. Great documentary at uh, Carolina Theater, one of the oldest theaters in North Carolina in downtown Durham. Uh, Jade was gone at the beach. I was going to meet her the next day. I had, you know, a night to myself to just kind of relax and unwind. I packed. I cleaned my place. And I said, okay, I'm ready to go. We were going to podcast later that night. I said, I need a way 
to stay awake, I'm going to go to the movies. I went to the movies. It was a great movie. Very interesting. I recommend it to a lot of people. I'm not going to say anything about the plot. You can watch the trailer for that. We don't have time. But What's the this movie? woman, I swear, I swear to you, turned around and said, well, I guess I'll take this in the hallway. You're damn right you will. Have they ever been amongst a movie theater or a like a like a like a person? Like have they are, are they? And, and I was a part of me was so frustrated too because I was like, this doesn't ha- like things like that don't happen in Durham. Like Durham is is such a I don't want to say soft. It's it's such a friendly place, I guess. Like you're not walking around, and people are like, hey, how's it going all the time? But I mean. You know, if you're alone in an elevator with someone in Durham, they're going to strike up a conversation. You're going to talk about the city. You're going to be friendly with one another. There's none of that animosity and just sort of passive aggressive. Like, it was so petty. And then she came back like 10 minutes later and has her phone brightness on all the way up. Uh, uh, yeah, that it just it, it took me out. Of, it was such a good part of the movie. It completely took me out of it. And I had to focus on how much I hated this woman for like five minutes. Yeah, I mean you have to you have to dwell on the anger because we're both uh, you know men, and that's what men yeah. do. What movie was it? Uh, Three identical strangers. Three identical strangers. Okay, well yes. you gave it a it's documentary. Very very good. You should really look into it. I highly recommend, it, especially because you've got brothers. Uh, that's it for us though. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Brick and I have always wanted to do this podcast. It's year four now. Year four. We're about to graduate, bro. We're about to graduate. It's hashtag senior year. With Magna uh, like I said, if you get anything that you want us to talk about, uh, really, send us a tweet. Send us an email. Uh, drop us a comment on Facebook right on our wall. When was the last time someone wrote on your wall on Facebook? I don't know. Is that even a thing anymore? Remember Can back on Facebook people? when you had to start your status with, with is? Like Patrick is. Norwood – is ma- okay so i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to do a, a a really bad um i got to own up to this a confession if you will i every now and then i click the memories on facebook and i have a friend Oof. of mine we send them back and forth Oof, they're bad but i had the best 10 years ago so i was uh oh i was 16 that's older than i wanted to be for this story <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> 10 okay so it was 10 years ago and it was an is. It was my favorite of the is statuses. It was Patrick Brickman is sad he missed out on the fun period. Wow. I love it. I that's, love cringing at myself as a teenager. That's that's deep. You love cringing. Most people hate it and will delete it. I keep it up so that I can see it next year. I know. I know. It's, it's bad. Is sad it's that bad. he missed out on the fun. There was there was a short four or five month period of my life where I started a quote page on Facebook where I just wrote there was no rhyme or reason. You were that if guy. I, oh yeah. Oh buddy. You, your boy made a plethora of Facebook groups growing up. Bad. Bad does not begin to cover it. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg loved me. <laughs> yeah, you were like, you were like the guy. He made Facebook for you, for your yes. emotional, uh, almost needing to impress people with your intellect. I think. Yes. Yeah. Oof. Good. Yeah. Now, granted, I was not sixteen like you were. Shut up. <laughs> I was like fourteen, thirteen. I had just gotten into high school. 
Yeah, well, you know what? Let's end this episode. Let's get out of this. Look, we're on Twitter at PI underscore podcast, on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Uh, Email us at patsinterference at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, what are we doing next week? We're we doing a, a camp update and then a Bama preview. Yes, we'll have a good, uh, we'll have a pretty good camp update because we're going to have the scrimmage and I'm going to scrimmage read Saturday, the notes. right? And then we are doing yes, that is our Alabama like position group by position group um, uh, newcomers. We talk about a lot. We talk about a lot of Alabama. So if you're not an Alabama fan, well, listen anyway because you just love the sound of our voice. And we're going to go game yeah. by game. We're going to give score predictions. I bet we both say we think we win every game, but we're just we're just going to do the whole kit, bang, caboodle, whatever you call that. Alabama, getting you ready for the season because the next week is game week and we got a lot to do there. Or no, so yeah, and two we weeks got the national podcast, week. which is one of my favorite episodes every year. Yeah. The next week uh, again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you at some point next week. Uh, again, if you've got any topics you want us to cover, uh, just let us know. Let us know and we'll cover them. Seriously. Uh, we, we love hearing from you. Go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. That helps grow the podcast. We really need to grow the podcast. Hope you like the new look. Hope you like the new sound. We will talk to you next week. And Brick, most importantly, roll time. Roll time.